Welcome to Deal Closers with Annette Tali, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Tali. Hello, everybody. This is Annette Tali, and I am here today joined with Wade Smith. And he is dear to me because we've been uh, talking to each other for about a year and we uh, met last October. We, we are in the same mastermind, so I'm very excited to uh, be able today to interview him. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Um, he has a BS in economics from James Madison University. After graduation, he worked as an analyst performing domestic and international cost of living analysis. He then transitioned to investing and worked as a property equity trader for multiple New York-based companies. His career turned to a life health where he became a prosthetic, uh, designing, fabricating, and fitting prosthesis for people with limb loss. He began investing in real estate in 2016 in an effort to create additional streams of income. To date, he has co-sponsored three projects that total 664 units, he is limited partner on an additional 1,134 units, and he owns 19 units, and it's set to close in another 42 units. That is impressive, my friend. Thank you for being here with me. I'm very excited, like I said. And so tell us a little bit about you and how you got to invest in, like what uh, interests you about investing? So I'd say that I was always an investor at heart. Um, you know, even, you know, way back when in high school and, you know, kind of the stocks project and I got involved with, uh, you know, following the stock market and, and my job as a proprietary equity trader was basically day trading. Um, you know, day traders are notoriously known as bad long-term investors. Um, so, you know, transitioning out of, out of that into longer term investments, you know, was something that I had focused on. I was, you know, in day trading, you're looking more technical analysis than you are fundamental analysis. So you're looking at chart patterns, you're looking for breakouts, um, retracements, um, and whatnot, just, you know, moves intraday. Um, and now, you know, I'm more focused on fundamentals, um, you know, and in terms of real estate, you know, you're, you're looking at the fundamentals of the economy, the market, the property, um, and the whole nine yards. So always had a bug of investing. I, I would say I got into real estate investing, you know, a little bit by accident with an apartment that I owned in, in Manhattan that um, I owned for a few years. I can't remember how many, but after my first year of living there, I moved out to Arizona to be with my then uh, girlfriend who became my wife. But that was, uh, you know, that was us first starting to, to live together and whatnot. And I rented out my apartment and I did that for probably four years or so. And, and, and it was at the worst time of the market. So I pretty much bought at the top. I sold at the bottom, but I ended up breaking even because uh, I mean, that was just a story within itself that we won't get into here, but you know, that was my first rental property, if you will. And then a bunch of time passed. And, um, you know, again, I was, I was looking at how to supplement my income. I, I look at it as, as a safety thing. So I didn't want to rely on one stream of income. I didn't want anything to happen in my W2 job where, 
you know, at one point, who knows what happens? The company shuts down. I'm, I'm no longer there. My services are no longer needed. Whatever it may be, I didn't want to have to scramble. If that ever happened, I want to be able to slide seamlessly into something else. I'd have money coming in from other places that it wouldn't be, you know, a big shock um, to the system and to the family. So, you know, I started supplementing the income with, um, you know, for instance, I was doing some options trading. Um, it was primarily selling covered calls off of my portfolio. So I was trying to boost the returns of my stock portfolio. And, uh, you know, it led into me looking into other things. I, I did some private lending, some, some arbitrage lending off of lines of credit. And then I found multifamily. And, uh, and that's really been my focus since about 2016. And, and that's where the portfolio that you referenced has, uh, really kind of started with and, and where it's growing to. That is awesome. The deal. So today we're going to be talking about one of your deals and, you know, go a little bit deep down into the details. So tell me about the deal that we're going to discuss today. Sure thing. Um, so we're going to talk about a deal called Executive House. It's a 42 unit a multifamily property in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Um, just a little bit of background on, on the market and, and why we decided to pursue this deal. Um, I, I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, in a group in, in Wheelbarrow Profits. It's the Jake and Gino community. And, and one of the things that I really wanted to do was to, to look at deals with other members within that group and, and try to start a team really that, that we could grow together and, and start doing bigger things. So, you know, we had four guys that had very similar mindsets. We were very similar in the way that, that we thought. Um, we had all been in partnerships previously that either didn't go as, as we had hoped. Um, so we had some battle scars from that. And, you know, so we had these discussions about, like, what would happen? Like, what are we going to do, for instance, if, if we go into a property together and that property goes sideways? You know, for instance, are we going to take money out of that property to, to give ourselves distributions at the expense of the property? Are we going to let deferred maintenance kind of, you know, get a little bit out of control if that happens? Or are we the type of people that will, that will leave money in the property? We'll forego our distributions for one, maybe two years, you know, to the benefit of the property. And we had all said the same thing that we would leave it in. We were okay not taking distribution, you know, for the longer term vision of, of whatever project that might be. And I think that's important because that was an issue that, that came up on another project that I had um, partnered on where me and one other person, you know, had that, that difference in, in mindset. He wanted the distributions regardless of what was going on in the property. And I was more long-term saying I would rather, you know, rather sign up for delayed gratification. I, I'd rather take the pain now for easy street later on. Um, and that led to a, that led to a buyout, but, Again, getting back to, to this deal, you know, the, we had four guys and we decided to, we were going to start looking. Me and, uh, me and another guy, Mike, we were looking in Louisville. And, you know, we, we liked the market. Uh, we liked the fundamentals. We liked that it wasn't as competitive as some other markets. It was a little bit of a slow and steady market, if you will. And, um, you know, we started, you know, underwriting deals, looking at deals. Uh, somebody had sent us a, an OM, a broker sent us an OM for this deal in Southern Indiana in Jeffersonville. And we didn't know anything about the market. We didn't know anything about it. And we didn't give it a second look. You know, we said to ourselves, you know, we're looking in Louisville. We're not looking in, in Southern Indiana. 
and we had we had planned a market visit so we we flew out to louisville we went to meet with some brokers meet with some property managers tour some properties you know look around and one of the brokers that we met with was the guy who sent us the louis i'm sorry the southern indiana deal and we're just chatting over breakfast one one morning and and he's just talking about southern indiana and he's saying how they just so you know there are these two bridges that have connected louisville to southern indiana it's really opened up that market to the louisville market so that you know that louisville msa was expanding a little bit and uh, he said that you know you can get things you know a little bit cheaper over there you know it's more about being in the path of progress um and there's like a sprawl so we didn't realize it was so close it really is right across the bridge so we said why not why don't we just go drive it you know we're here we'll go drive across the bridge and, and we'll see you could walk. I mean, that's how close it is. And the broker was right. We just, we drove around and, you know, we basically ended up liking that market more so than Louisville. We thought it was cleaner. We thought that the big box stores, you could see them going in, you could see the pavers out on the roads. You could see what he was talking about, the sprawl. It wasn't just words. It was something you could look at with your, with your own two eyes. So we decided to drive, you know, drive to the property he had sent us. We had, you know, we had nothing set up to, to get in or see anything, but we're like, we'll just take a look at the outside. We'll walk around. And uh, it was appealing to us, you know, it kind of checked those boxes. So, so you kind of found this property by accident. You went to see another one and then decided to cross the bridge and, you know, started looking at this other market that yeah, exactly. you didn't know about before. Exactly. I just, I, we, we wrote it off. You know, we didn't know anything about it until we saw it. And then we decided to dive a little bit deeper into the market. We decided to dive a little deeper into the property. We started underwriting the property and uh, we just sort of agreed. We're like, you know, should we take a run at it? And, uh, you know, we said, uh, yeah, let's do it. So we found um, two other people, you know, like I said, going back to building that team. Um, that you know were were also down and and had that alignment of you know of a uh, guess moral compass or or vision or you know just had that same mindset that we had you know kind of throughout those same scenarios if this happens how will we react and uh we were all on the same page so we felt good with the four of us and decided that we were going to throw in an offer and uh we did and uh you know the rest so of what was the listing price of the property so the listing price was 2.1 million. Um, I think it was actually just right under that. It was 2.09 million. Okay. And we came in with an offer of 1.865. Wow, that's a, that's a lot less. So you have to, you know, perform some due diligence. Tell me about that. <clears throat> Correct. So, um, so you know, we, we underwrote and, um, you know, part of this, this is, partially a value add play. There's two buildings. Um, they're not exactly 2121, but one building was, was renovated and they were getting certain rents. The other building was not renovated, but to be honest, they weren't, the rental increase wasn't as, you know, as much as you would think based on the amount of money they were putting in, you know, the, the one side. Mm -hmm. With that said, a lot of the exterior was, was addressed and a lot of the mechanicals were addressed. So you had new electric, you had new HVAC. Um, you know, they had some plumbing issues that were, you know, they said were, were addressed. So, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of CapEx that was put into it. Their books were pretty messy because all those CapEx items, like I think most people do, they, they put them under repair and maintenance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they showed losses on, on given months and, 
there's a lot of work to kind of go through and to separate out what is CapEx, what is R&M, and to get a, you know, to get a clean underwriting. Uh, one of the, you know, one of the reasons we were able to come in low was that because of where they were in their reposition, they didn't have a, a full T12 to bring to a lender. So at this point, it looked like we might have to go community bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not to jump ahead too far, you know, we were ultimately able to go with agency debt on this one because they were able to work off of the T3 and our expenses assumptions. And for people that don't know what T12 and T3 means, can you please explain? Yeah, so the T3, the T12 is basically just a trailing, you know, profit and loss, if you will. So it's a, it's a trailing. It will show you the last three months on the T3 as to what all your revenues and expenses and, and net operating income are. And on the T12, it's just the previous 12 months. The 12 months, correct. So the bank normally requests the 12 months of uh, income and expenses, and that's the T12 uh, that they wanted, but they were able to work with the T3, which is amazing. Correct, um, yes. That's, that's awesome. So how did you so negotiate the deal? Basically, you use these, um, these numbers. Okay, so, th- so and again, so the reason we came in where we came in was, was a little bit based off of the lending. So at this time, I don't know if you remember it, you know, we're back in, um, geez, I got to think now. You know, back in probably September-ish, uh, Fannie and Freddie or, you know, Freddie had, they, they hit their, their lending limits, you know. So everybody thought that there wasn't going to be any more agency debt given out, you know, for the last, the last quarter almost of the, mm-hmm. uh, of the year. So, you know, they're really kind of, they're really kind of tightening up on how they were underwriting deals, who they would give money to, because there was very little money left to, uh, you know, to lend on their end. So with us not being local and, you know, the, the deal being what the deal was, you know, and when I say the deal being what the deal was, you know, being a $2 million deal, you know, they, I, I think they were looking more kind of at those $5 million properties. They didn't want to lend on a, a bunch of $2 million deals when they can lend on, on bigger ones. Right. So, you know, we had to change our underwriting to say, for instance, a 75% LTV. So loan to value, and the terms that you would typically find, you know, for community banks. And when we did that, you know, the returns changed. They didn't hit really our, the criteria that we were looking for. And, and that's why we came in with the price that we came in at. Um, we ultimately thought that we would, you know, the sellers would come back to us at a given price. Um, and we would end up somewhere in the 1.9 range. Um, with everything that was, ha- that was going on with lending, she did come back to us with that counter offer. Um, but based on all the conversations we were having, and we were having a lot with the lenders, we just, we became nervous about the ability to close the deal on the lending front. So we thought that coming in at this price, it made it, it made it appealing to the lenders. And that was going to be, you know, really the, the driver to, to get the deal closed. So we, we held firm, um, you know, we gave the reason, we didn't think that, that they'd come or, you know, settle at that number, uh, but, but they did. And they said, okay, you know, they, they kind of asked for assurance, not assurances, but they asked to, you know, they said, listen, we're coming down to this number, you know, don't beat us up on, on retrades, you know, and uh, <laughs> don't, uh, you know, are you confident in being able to close it? And I said, listen, we, we, have the, uh, we have the equity, you know, we're going to get the debt. And I was like, and I think at this price, we're going to get the debt. And, um, 
I said, and we're not the type of people who are going to retrade over little things here and there. But if there's something big that comes up, I can't promise you we're not going to, you know, ask for something. He said, right. fair enough. And uh, we got the thing under contract. That is amazing. But it's, it, it is so important to, to make sure that, that you get your numbers and then you stick with them. Like you realize that the deal wasn't going to work at a higher price. So you, you know, stuck to your numbers and you knew that there was a risk that they wouldn't take it. Uh, but those were the numbers that were working with your deal. So you, you know, you, you just kept them. Yeah. So that is awesome that they, uh, they were able so, to take it. Call it luck or, you know, just, you know, the, or how the situation played out is that, you know, Fannie and Freddie, they actually came back and they, um, they replenished their lending budget. So now we felt confident with being able to get agency debt. So we were able to go back to a 80% LTV. Uh, we were able to get that, that rate, you know, that competitive rate of agency debt. So even though this whole thing was negotiated on the premise of this is what's going on at that time, the lending landscape then changed to our favor. So it, it worked out well for us. So that was us. like a bonus. That was, a, yeah, it was a great bonus because we, we really underwrote this and negotiated this based on, you know, community debt. Um, and legitimately thinking we could not get agency for this very reason. And, and everybody at that time knew, you know, what was going on. So it wasn't like we were coming out of left field saying this, you know, but, you know, luckily for us, they replenished those, uh, you know, those budgets. And so you were, you were working with one uh, broker, right? The, the, the same broker was um, talking to the seller and talking to, to you, your team. Correct. Okay. So the information wasn't being, um, you know, it was direct, that's almost direct conversation when you were telling something and then the broker knew what was going on. So was relating this information to the owner. Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very important. And that relationship has been really good. So the relationship between seller, us and, and broker, I, I think we've all been very honest and very fair throughout. So, I mean, this is, you know, I, I've been involved in a deal where the, where the seller has um, not been easy to work with. And, and this has been just the opposite. So, you know, we're very happy when, when there's issues in terms of like deadlines or, you know, whatever, everybody kind of comes together and we just get it done. There's, there's no, you know, holding somebody to a date. If it looks like we're going over, you know, everybody's like fine to say, okay, let's throw in a quick amendment and give us a extra few days because we're waiting on this, you know? So um, it, it's been a really nice experience in that regard. Excellent. So what happened during the due diligence once you had already your um, deal under contract and, and you started the inspections? Yep. So we, we relied on our property management team to help us with, um, with the due diligence and with the property inspections and the, you know, the unit tours. So we flew out there again. Um, we spent a day at the property. We went through every unit. Uh, we split it up, you know, with the property management team and we went in with, uh, with notepads and they have a little checklist and they, they sort of rate the unit. They take some notes on the unit. Uh, we had the, the plumbing line scoped because uh, that was another issue that had come up on a previous property. We had the electrician come in to, you know, to look at the wiring. Um, there was aluminum remediation that was done. Uh, we knew about that from the beginning, but we just, you know, we had the electrician come in and check that. And that was really the only thing that we went back to them for um, a concession or a credit was that the remediation that they had done on the one building, it wasn't done. It was done almost like 80% of the way. So 
don't ask me exactly how, uh, you know, how it works. It's something about these Illumicon, you know, pigtails that they, that they put on, put in to remediate aluminum wiring. Um, but, you know, our electrician was saying that it really wasn't done the whole way. There was a, either a ground missing or a torque value that wasn't done. So we got an estimate as to how much it would cost to, um, you know, to redo that. We went back to the to the broker and the seller. We you know we let them know. We put them in direct contact with our electrician, so there wouldn't be any, you know, any funny business. Uh, we advised her to go to her electrician that did it to see you know you know to, to, to yeah to verify what you know what they had found. And uh, she had multiple quotes for for doing the job. We had our quote. At the end of the day, she came back to us and said, you know, would $20,000, you know, satisfy this as a seller credit at the end of the, at the end of the deal. And we said, sure, you know, that, that'll get it done. So, um, so we, you know, that's the only thing that we went back to them with. And, um, you know, we had that as a uh, seller credit, you know, a check at the end of the day to, to have that done uh, properly. Oh, that's amazing. So besides that hiccup, did you have any other issues come up throughout this um, deal? No, um, to be honest, it was all pretty clean. Um, you know, going through everything, you know, it's one of the few ones that have, uh, <laughs> there, there hasn't been anything crazy to, you know, to say or, or stress, fa or stress factors. You know, we, we did have to, we did have to use our extension uh, to close. So we had a 30 day extension that was built in. Uh, we didn't have any hard money into the deal until that point. So the way we negotiated the contract was that if we had to do the extension, we would put an additional 5,000 earnest money deposit that would go hard, you know, upon, upon the extension. Um, but it goes to the credit of the purchase price. So it's just going to bring down the, the purchase price. But if the deal didn't close, then, you know, we would lose that $5,000. Um, we were all very confident in the deal closing, the lender, you know, we went with a direct Freddie Fannie lender. Um, you know, everything looked good. It's just that their underwriting has to check all their boxes and, and they gave us the date that was, you know, it was what it was. We, this was all going on through the holiday season. So I think, I think things slow down a little bit there and uh, between Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's, you know, a lot of those third parties that they need to get in there are slow to do it. So, you know, I kind of, I, I put that on, on that timing for why it, you know, we had to request that extension. Excellent. And how did you find your property management team? You said that you were relying on them for all this due diligence. So did you have one before or did you have to find one right away when you started looking at this uh, deal? Yeah. So um, in the community that I'm a part of, uh, you know, we, we all talk and we all, uh, you know, we're all close, you know, certain, certain groups and whatnot. And this is a property management team that, that works with another member who's a friend of ours. And he's been through, I think, four or five property managers. And he, you know, basically fell in love with these guys. And he will now only look in areas where they, where they are. So he kind of follows them in terms of the markets that he'll look at for, for, for deals. Um, you know, we interviewed a few, um, you know, we, we had, we basically came back with, with one that was in Louisville that was kind of, you know, buying away the highest, re highly recommended, you know, the only one that was really highly recommended was them. And then there was nobody that was a close second type thing. And, and we met with them and they were great. The only issue um, that we had was that they typically like to be in 100 
plus you know unit properties as does the management company that that we use but they have a property that's a couple miles down the road from ours it's a hundred plus unit property and basically we're able to share payroll with them to a certain extent so the fact that they had a property right there that they're operating really well it's it's a, it's a, it's a nice little model and it's a nice, I won't call it a comp because they're different um, class properties I, I think but uh, it's a, it's a goal to sort of achieve their level of service and it's a goal to achieve their level of quality and since we're gonna have the same you know manager you know for those two properties it's, it's something that you know that was appealing and it kind of fit the situation well that that's awesome I'm very excited for you and uh, so what tell me about the exit strategy what are you planning to do with this property okay so we, you know, our exit strategy changed over time. I think where we're at right now is that we have, we have pretty good lending terms on this. You know, we're, we're actually over 80%. We ended up about 82% because we were able to get some, some soft costs that were incurred during closing wrapped into the loan. Um, so our loan proceeds are pretty good. Our, our interest rate is 4.31 and it's a seven year hybrid loan. So, um, it's 30 year amortization. So we're, 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 we're good in terms of our lending. We did pay for the accelerated um, step down so that our prepayment penalty is not as bad if we decide to refinance depending on where rates go, depending on how we can increase the value of the property. So right now, you know, we, we're kind of twofold. We're either going to look to refi at the end of year two, see if we can pull more of our equity out to then you know refi and roll that money into another project, um, or we just stay in this property and really our exit strategy is to look in five years where we're at, and if where we're at is um, you know we all agree on cash flows and and enjoy that, I think we just kind of keep that more as a long term hold. If it makes more sense to to turn that property over to sell and then you know redeploy those funds elsewhere. You know, then we're gonna, you know, decide that. But really, we put ourselves at five years as a reevaluation, and uh, I think we're all on board for sort of a long-term hold here. If we can refi and get our money back out, we'll probably leave it as more of a more of a long-term hold project. If it makes sense to, you know, to flip after five, then then we'll go that strategy. So we're open. We ha we have our ideas to what we're doing, but I think a lot of it is to going to depend on where the market is. You know, where the lending environment is and to see you know you know what the situation then um you know dictates right and that's why it's so important to have your team on, on the same page you know like that you are discussing this at the beginning so that you have these options and everybody's on the same page about you know either selling or keeping it as a uh, yeah. and hold so we, we underwrote it, we underwrote it all, like all different ways. And I think the, our most recent underwriting is, you know, we, we underwrote a refi in, um, in 24 months. So, you know, we put in a higher rate, we put in a higher reversion cap, you know, and, you know, with that, we, you know, we, we look pretty good with where, where we expect to be. Um, but if our assumptions are off, you know, if for instance, the lending is better, the reversion cap rate is better great if it's worse you know where we are with our current lending and you know the the timeline of that then that's absolutely fine excellent expert tips yeah know that you don't know everything so uh maybe that's the first tip now that you say that <laughs> but um all right three tips on 
so let's let's stick with the multifamily um you know genre here and i think in in investing in general it, it all comes out everybody says it all comes out of relationships right so talk to people get to know people you know look at deals with people because that's how our you know our partnership started it was just looking at deals together and um it just evolved from there, you know? So you start looking at deals together and the next thing you know, you're doing a deal together. And the next thing you know, you're, you're talking about doing bigger deals together. And if you, you know, if, if you jive with the people that you're working with, it's for me, it's so much better. I mean, we complement each other, all four of us really well. You know, I have my shortcomings. I work full time. So me during the day, you know, during the hours of 6am till 4pm, I'm, you know, I'm tough to, to get on the phone call or it's tough for me to actually get on a computer and do things. I can do some stuff from my phone, but there's other people on my team that they can hit those hours, you know? So if we need to get on the phone with somebody, that person can get on the phone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm early. So, I mean, I'm usually on my computer by quarter after four and I'm working for an hour or so in the morning, um, on this stuff. And then, you know, at the end of the day and whatnot. So, Partnering is is by far, I think, you know, the, the number one tip, you know, find people and talk to people that you can partner with. I would say know, know what you want to do. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of us, we, you know, we get a little bit all over the place. You know, it's like, hey, let's invest in land. Let's invest in multifamily. Let's, you know, let's flip. Um, when you're investing in multifamily, well, what do we want to look at? Value add or yield plays? You know, where are we looking? We'll look at class A and class C. You know, I, I think you need to find what it is you're looking for. I think the more specific you are, specifically with brokers, it kind of gives you credibility. If you go to a broker and you say like, hey, you know, I'm kind of looking at everything, you know, anything from uh, 25 to 200 units, you know, <laughs> you know, who knows what they're going to send you, you know? I, I think exactly. you need to go in. You know, we tell brokers like, look, we're not looking at student housing. We're not looking at low income housing credits. You know, we want market rate rents. We want... We're looking right now to be over 100 units, so 100 to 200 units. You know, these are sort of our deal killers. We we prefer to be, uh, you know, you bring us a property as opposed to like a portfolio that hits these criteria. And um, I think when you go in with, you know, knowing what you're looking for, it, it makes it, it may make it harder to find lots of things to underwrite. But when you get something to underwrite, you know, it's, it, at least you know that it is what you want. Exactly. Um, that's two, right? We got partners yeah, so knowing got, what we're looking yeah. for. And I think the last thing is like, you know, don't, don't psych yourself out. It really isn't rocket science. I mean, I think I psyched myself out in the beginning. Um, you know, it's overwhelming. There's a lot to do, but I mean, you take that first step, you know, um, one of the coaches in, in Jake and Gino, you know, he, he's, he's real blunt and he'll say, uh, you know, people go like, Oh, I got I got to get a website. I got to get, this I, I need this you know i need this and he'll just be like you need a deal you know how are you going to get a deal <laughs> is a website going to get you a deal he's like call the broker he's like get a deal and he's like all that other stuff you know worry about that later so i think simplifying it you know like start underwriting deals you know what's next you found one you like all right <laughs> what do i have to do now you know what's that next step but start at the first step don't don't start at the last step that is so true. Those are amazing three tips. I'm so excited you're talking about that. And we have looked at, at the deal together and we're talking about uh, looking at more stuff together, which is great because uh, I found in the last you know, couple of months that networking and taking those relationships to the next level, not only just meeting the person, but keep talking to the person and you know, you know, talking about goals and what they want. You know, I, I've had a couple of calls 
uh, this week and we were not on the same uh, page, you know, so we wanted uh, to do different things. And so it's good to know exactly what, what the other person is at and that you are at this point not going to be able to partner on, on something, but then you, you further those relationships and when you find that, that deal that will work for the two of you, then you can you know, go ahead, or for the four of you in your case. <laughs> so, you know, but you know what also is great about what you just said there is that, yeah, you found somebody that, um, you know, you guys weren't on the same page as to what you wanted, right? But as you talk to more people, maybe you find somebody else who is on that page, right? Mm -hmm. So, again, you won't be on the same page as that other person, but you can say, hey, you know what, I know this other guy, like, I think you two should talk. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, you're not involved in any of their deals, but you're also not just that person who's saying, no, thank you, no, thank you. You're connecting somebody. And that's, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's so great to talk to so many people. And it's okay if you're, if you're kind of what you want doesn't align with them because maybe you can then in the future align them with together. And that's exactly what happened to me this week. I was talking with, uh, you know, uh, Hendra, which you know, and he connected me to somebody else, to two people actually that are doing things that I want to do. So, I, you know, I, I am emailing and so we are setting up a call to to get to know each other and see if we are aligning and we can work on something together so it's very important i agree with you yeah yeah and and hendra's awesome i mean hendra's you know he's uh given me contacts too of people that i'm now working with and and me the same to him so i mean it's it's awesome you know <laughs> absolutely i think that's like you said that's the name of the game there it's, it's networking and it's you know let's bring it back to the go-giver from from jay helms group you know that like when he first made us read that um, I'm a huge fan of that book and, and try to read that every year now since, uh, you know, since that. And I was uh, so sad. It was so short. Like we finished it like in two drives and I'm like, what? I want more. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain that that's going to be in every, every Thanksgiving, uh, time of year thing now. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a great uh, book. So uh, tell hey, us, if you're listening every Thanksgiving, the, the go-giver. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a wonderful group, uh, book. So tell us, where can people find you, your website, email, social media? Yep, sure. So uh, website is uh, www.rustic-capital.com. Uh, there's a contact us form there, but if you want to, to reach out more directly, my email address is my first name, which is Gwaith, spelled G-W-Y-E-T-H, at rustic-capital.com. And... Uh, I'll even throw out the phone number. It's 516-238-4150. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of partnering, connecting, and, uh, you know, love to talk real estate. And I can vouch for Wade. He is amazing. A lot of times that I had questions, I've reached out to him, and he, he got with me on the, on the phone and gave me great advice. You've connected me to people and introduced me to other people. So he's awesome. You know, I am so excited to be talking to you today and thank you very much for uh giving me the time to interview you and uh, so i'm gonna close today and saying like reach out to him if you want to do some great business he's an a person that i trust oh, all right thank you. thank you so much and that is too kind and uh... <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much bye Wade. bye this was Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.